0: You've heard the phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. My phrase growing up on a sheep farm was, you can't lead a sheep to water if they don't want to (laughs) go. It's just really tough to do. Um, Hey, if you're you're new to CCC, um, growing up on a sheep farm is a huge part of my story. If you're part of the CCC family, you might be cringing at the thought of another story from the farm. But here we go anyway, right? Uh, Let me show you a picture. This guy's name is Twister. This was Twister. I know. You say, oh, you don't even know. This is a sheep that you can't lead to water. Uh, Twister was mean. He was the meanest uh, sheep I think we ever had on our farm. He fathered a ton of uh, animals, lambs, on our farm. And he was, uh, our phrase was meaner than snot. He was meaner than snot. And one day, uh, I went out to check on him, and he was, he was favoring one of his feet. You could tell that he'd done something. He'd injured it. It was sore. I, I didn't know. And so I'm the shepherd, right? I, like, I got to help the sheep. So I get in the pen, and um, whenever you try to catch a sheep, like, you try to corner him so that you can grab him, right? And I get him to the corner, and this guy just begins to go insane. Like, you are not catching me, right? Like, you're not leading me to water. And so he literally, he's, he's a ram. Like, there's a reason that you say you're ramming something. So I've got him in this corner, and he's, like, running back and forth between the sidewalls, just ramming his head into these walls. And I'm like, what in the world? So I just kind of stand there, and uh, and eventually I, I get him caught, and, and he was okay. And um, I, I continue to work in, and he, I catch him, and I don't get hurt, which is a miracle in of itself. But finally, I reach him, and I got a hold of him, and, and, and as he calms down, and I'm collecting myself, I notice that there is blood all over my hands. Twister had busted the top of his head open, like, ramming himself into the side of these walls back and forth, and now, like, there's blood all over him, there's blood all over me. All because I just wanted to check him out and see, like, hey, what's wrong with your foot, and can I help you get healthy, right? And it was one of those moments, um, even back then, where I knew that there was a lesson to be learned, and I just wasn't sure what that lesson was. Well, today, it causes me to ask the question of myself, how often am I banging my head against the wall when God is just trying to make sure that I'm healthy? Maybe, maybe you can relate to that question. Maybe you can't. Um, I do this thing when I'm mad. Everything about my body language says I'm mad when I get mad. But if you ask me if I'm mad, I'm like, I'm good, I'm fine. Drives Caitlin crazy. About once every six months, she like calls me out on it, and there's like an actual fight. One of those was yesterday. It's okay. But whenever that happens, and I did it again yesterday, this is like, the gospel has to start with me, right? Like, what's he changing in my life? So whenever this happens and I know that it's happening, I can't make it stop, and so I'll just start doing stuff. I'll take out the trash, I'll start a load of laundry, I'll clean up a room. Yesterday I loaded the dishwasher in record time, I'm not sure how it happens still, but I'll just do it real fast and, I'll, and real sharp, and i do it out of frustration, and Caitlin says, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine, and you know, I'll say I'm fine like while I'm throwing a bunch of toys up the steps because I'm mad that they're in the living room and not in the kids' rooms, and it's just, it's crazy. And then at some point, I usually blow my top and, and, and Caitlin's like, why would you just say I'm mad? I'm like, I don't know, I can't do that. Man, so often I think in our lives, whether it's something like that or, or maybe we're just resisting what we feel like God is leading us to, God is trying to help move us to the next thing. He's trying to make sure that we're healthy. He's trying to encourage us as parents, as spouses, as people in the community. And instead of just letting him catch us and look at what's wrong with us, we begin banging our head into the wall, right? And, and sometimes it bloodies us up. It beats us up. Uh, and, and it just brings me back to that question, why do I bang my head into the wall when God is just trying to work things out? Why do all of us do that? Why do we work so hard to get away from the one who created us and cares for us and, and loves us like none other? You know, each of us have, um, we have our own journeys today. But I believe all of us have those moments where we're working against what's good for us. You can't lead a sheep to water if he doesn't want to go. (laughs) I believe the same is true of us. In fact, Jesus, in this passage that I read just a little bit earlier, Mark 6, sees the people in this passage, and he says that they are sheep without a shepherd. When he sees the people, they are like sheep without a shepherd. And we too, I think, can be like sheep without a shepherd. As we come to this passage today, the disciples have returned from, from their mission trip. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, um, Jesus got rejected in his hometown and he turns to his disciples and he sends them out to preach repentance, to share the good news that the Messiah is here. And uh, just like our mission team from Honduras is coming back today and they're excited to share about all that they've done and what they taught to the people in Honduras, the disciples were in the same proverbial boat, all right? they they've gone they've they've done they've taught lots of good things have happened for God's kingdom and and they're coming back they're making disciples and um that's exhausting right as excited as our team from Honduras will be to come back and share I'm gonna guess that the first thing that they do tomorrow is they take a nap (laughs) because it's just been a lot of work it's been a lot of travel a lot of different things going on and 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 people can't wait to be a part of that so even as they come back Their families and their friends are going to want to hear about that. And the same thing is happening to the disciples. They've been on this mission. They're coming back. They're excited about all that God is doing. And at the same time, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Verse 34 says this, right? Jesus says to them, hey, let's get some rest. They get on the boat. And as they're going across the boat, verse 34 says this, So as he stepped ashore, he saw a huge crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he began to teach them many things. If I'm a disciple, I'm like, listen, I just got done with the mission trip. I don't have any energy left to, to serve whoever this crowd is that's coming on. That's just me. It may not have been them, but that's me. Like, I am done. I'm toast. So let's think about this idea of being sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus sees the people and he sees them that way, what does it mean? Let me ask it a different way. What does a shepherd do for a sheep that a sheep can't do for itself? Why is it important that sheep have a shepherd? The one that becomes kind of obvious for me is that a sheep can't shear itself. It can't remove its wool. And um, if you don't know sheep, which you get a huge pass if you don't, right? You probably shouldn't. Uh, You may not think about that as a big deal, but I want to show you a, a quick minute video of a sheep. I think his name's Chris. I'm not sure who named him. But this guy hasn't been sheared in a long time. I show you that because I think we don't think about, and and maybe we we shouldn't, um, what uh, what it means to have too much wool on, right, when we go as a sheep without shearing. What we learn in this video is that all kinds of problems come up. The weight becomes literally unbearable. I mean, the poor guy was walking around with an extra 80 pounds on his body. That's a lot of weight. All the dirt and the burrs and the manure... Yes, that they come into contact with, it sticks to them, and it becomes embedded in that coat of wool, and uh, it's nasty from experience, let me tell you. Uh, At some point, as we saw with Chris, it can even become hard to see. The wool grows over the face, even further down the line, the length and the weight make it hard to even move around and walk. Sheep like this, they don't want to lay down because it's too hard to get up. Over time, right, if a sheep without a shepherd gets to a point where like, everything in, in their life and in their body just ceases to function. So when Jesus says that these people that he sees on the other side of the lake are like sheep without a shepherd, he's implying that they need to be shorn. And seeing that they need to be shorn means that he sees them with some of the same problems that, that sheep like Chris have. He sees that they're carrying around the weight of their sin, the hardships of life. And in some of their instances, the weight has become unbearable. He sees that the dirt and the burrs and manure that they have had to deal with in life are sticking with them, and they can't seem to move forward with it. For some of them, they're literally following the crowd, and and that has thousands of people in it, and, and they can't seem to see ahead of them otherwise. The weight and the trials of life have just blinded them to reality. Still others are completely stuck, right? They know of nowhere else to turn except to give this Jesus guy a shot. That's why they're willing to run around the lake. They're paralyzed by what's happening in the world. It's hard to lie down at night, and, and it's hard to get up in the morning. That's what it means when Mark writes that Jesus saw the people as sheep without a shepherd. And So I ask us, right, isn't that true of us? For so many of us, aren't we just carrying around the weight of sin and its effects, trying to just get to the next day? Aren't we affected and carrying with us the dirt and the scrapes and the manure of what's happened in our lives? Aren't we at times unsure of which way to go, exhausted by the thought of taking our next step towards Christ? God, can't you just leave me alone for a little while? Leave me to myself. For many of us, I think we don't want to admit it, but we we live our lives like sheep without a shepherd. But notice Jesus' response to what he sees. He had compassion on them. And what we see as this passage unfolds today is that Jesus gives incredible gifts because of that limitless compassion. The first thing we see is that Jesus has compassion on the tired, right? The disciples are tired, and, and, and they're exhausted. They've been sent out, all these things. They've poured themselves out in ministry. I love that it says they didn't even have time to eat. Doesn't life feel that way sometimes? It's like you and your spouse look at each other, and you're like, what's for dinner? And you're like, I don't even know. And Jesus wanted to just get them away for rest. He longed for them to not be tired. He craved downtime for them. That's a picture of his compassion. Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I love, too, what God says through the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 31, verse 25. He says, For I satisfy the thirsty person and feed all those who, Who are weak, or Isaiah 40, 29, where it says He gives strength to the faint and strength to the powerless. These promises allow us to to join what we read in the Psalms, who says, My heart my flesh and my heart might fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. You know, I never knew why my dad took Sunday afternoon naps until I was a dad. And it all made perfect sense, right? So today, whether you're a dad, a mom, a son, a daughter, Man, a woman, when you are tired, Jesus has compassion on you. That should encourage you, right? Like those moments where you feel like you can't keep going, where you feel exhausted, Jesus looks at you and he has compassion on you. He wants rest for you more than you do for yourself. He wants what is right for you more than you do. His compassion on each of us who is tired is limitless. But his compassion isn't limited to those who are tired. It extends to the hungry, too. You know, the disciples recognize that this crowd, this large crowd, is getting hungry. And they make a logical recommendation to Jesus in verse 36. They say, send them away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. And Jesus looks back at his guys, his tired guys that he has compassion on, and he says, you give them something to eat. I love this because it shows that Jesus doesn't provide for us because he has to. He provides for us because he wants to. Jesus could have sent them away and nobody would have thought anything negative about it. little food break, guys. Conference returns when you get back. No. He wants to feed the hungry. He wants to provide. He has compassion on them and He wants each and every person there to know that He loves them. Christ has compassion on the hungry and because of that, He wants us to be hungry for Him. 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3 says, like newborn infants, desire uh, the pure milk of the word so that you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good and Jesus himself says in Matthew 5 6 blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled yeah I'm, I'm convinced that one of the greatest challenges of a dad in life is getting their kids to eat No one told me that when I watched country-western duels with my grandpa growing up that I was getting ready for the stare-downs that happen across the table while waiting on my kid to take five bites. It's crazy. They just, like, it's a a challenge. And then I love the line of logic that we try to use with our two-year-olds that aspire to be superheroes. They're like, hey, listen, you can't be a big kid. You can't be big like Dad. You can't be big like a Superman if you don't grow. And if you don't, you can't grow if you don't eat. Right? So it's like we're trying to convince them into this big thing. How often do you and I complain or squabble or worry about our lack of spiritual growth? Right? We begin to say things like, I'm just not being fed. I don't really like to do things that way. Perhaps our Father in heaven is sitting across the table doing everything in his power to get us to just take five bites. Son, daughter of mine, just eat. You can't grow if you don't eat, and you won't eat if you aren't hungry. Hunger and thirst for the Lord. Hunger and thirst. How do we do that? What does that mean? Because, like, we've talked about uh, with some of the leaders on this discipleship team, like, man, if we really want the people of Christ Community Church to be growing in their faith, like, the Lord is going to have to give them a hunger and a thirst for more of Him. Nobody else can, can give them that. How do we do that? It starts by asking for it in prayer. God, make me hungrier today for your word than I was yesterday. Help me to want more of you, God, because I'm not sure exactly what that looks like. But but also, it means confessing our sins to him. Because the more aware of our sin we are, the more we recognize the hunger that's setting in. Like, when I realize that I'm really messed up, I realize that I need the Lord. Hunger for Christ and know that when you are hungry, Christ has compassion on you. He wants to give you something to eat. He doesn't want to send you away to find it somewhere else in the world. He wants to be the source. Today, if you are tired, if you're hungry, there's great news, right? That God's gift is always good enough. God's gift is always good enough. Watch this, beginning in verse 38. The disciples are like, how are we going to feed these guys, right? And Jesus asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. And then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people, and he also divided the two fish among them all. I love verse 42. Everyone ate and was satisfied. Everyone ate and was satisfied. If you are tired, if you are exhausted, if you are worn out from the struggles of life, if you are just longing for a nap, I'm almost done. (laughs) God's gift is always good enough. It always satisfies. Come to Jesus and he will give you rest. That gift is good enough. If you're hungry, if you're wanting more, if you're craving to press further into what Christ has for you, God's gift is always good enough. He will satisfy, press into Christ through his word night and day. He will feed you until you are satisfied. His gift is good enough. You know, today there's, there's really two types of people in the room. There are those who are not walking with Christ, and there are those who are. Now, I'm not talking about whether you've been baptized or whether you have prayed a prayer to, to express your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Not those things. There are those who are walking with Christ. There's a a functioning relationship where where he leads and you follow, or there's not. And if there's not, you're searching for him. You're hoping that he pops up around the next turn. Maybe in many ways you feel like sheep without a shepherd. So to those two types of people, right, there's, there's two things that we can take away from this passage. If you are walking with Christ, eat until you are full. Eat until you are full. I love that the disciples ate with the crowds and then they had some to take with them. Right? Eat on Christ, like hunger and thirst and continue to go back to his word and press into him first. Man, I love that these guys who are talking about being fathers, they're like, man, really the source of it all is making sure that I get back to Christ. I'm praying to him, I'm getting in his word, and I'm trusting that that's the truth. What's that look like practically? I love um, how Caitlin's grandpa read the Bible. He told me about how he read the Bible one day, and I was just in awe. And he would tell me, Blake, I opened my Bible to where I stopped reading yesterday, and I read until the Lord stopped me. Oh, what does that mean? That's that's good. He said, I would read until he taught me something, until I'm satisfied. Oh. He said, and then when I get to that point, I do something about it. And then I get up again the next day, and I do that again. I'm like, that's it? He's like, that's it. I eat until I'm full every day, right? That's what it looks like to hunger and thirst and to eat from the Lord, right? I get in my Word wherever I was yesterday, and I read until He stops me. I read until He satisfies me. I may not understand everything that I'm reading, but I trust that this is the Word of God that's going to feed me and satisfy me and move me to whatever is next in His plan for my life. So I'm going to be faithful to that. I'm just gonna pick up, I'm gonna read, I'm gonna eat until I'm satisfied. That's good. <laughs> Take that stuff to the bank from Grandpa Dave. I can remember in one season where I was not feeling satisfied spiritually. And so I asked my mother-in-law Sherry, what do I do? I'm like, she's she's a godly lady. What do I do? And she asked me a question. I hate when people do that. You ask them a question, they ask you a question back. Come on now, it's cheating. Jesus did it, but it's still cheating. She looked back at me and she said, well, how bad do you want it? Challenging me. How bad do you really want Christ? How hungry are you? Because if you truly want him, he's going to meet you there, she told me. I was like, dang, that's true. So she said, get up a little earlier. Spend a little more time in the word than what you usually would. Really crave to know what he has for you. I think we have to be really careful in our consumeristic society to say, well, I just can't find the Lord. He's not feeding me. Man, am I really hungry for him? And if you're not sure, then begin to pray that prayer. God, give me that hunger. Give me that thirst. Help me to want more because I'm not sure that I always do, right? Like I'm a messed up person. Give me that hunger to know you more. So if you're walking with Christ, eat until you are full. Crave more of him. Spend more time. Get up a little earlier. Start in prayer. Lord, I want to yearn for you. But if today that's not you, you're not sure where you are in your journey with Christ, you're not even totally sure that you're journeying with him at all. You want to journey with him, but you aren't convinced he's real. You're not convinced he's actually the son of God. What does this passage say to you? It says you've got to run around the lake. Picture verse 33 with me for just a moment. The disciples and Jesus are getting into the boat. And it says, but many saw them leaving. Many saw them leaving. We cheat and we know that at the end of the passage it says there were at least 5,000 men who ate. We're talking thousands of people who saw Jesus and his disciples getting into the boat. They recognized them. These are the guys who have been doing some crazy ministry. And they ran on foot. From all the towns and arrived ahead of them. Straight line across the lake, and there's thousands of people on foot. Just picture this, right? Thousands of people running around a lake beating the boat that's sailing across. It's an incredible visual to think about thousands of people just wanting to be with Jesus, just trying to figure out who He is and what He has to offer in their lives. Whatever wanted to hold them back from Jesus, it wasn't going to do it on that day. I begin to picture husbands looking at their wives, saying, let's go. Throwing the kids on their back, like making their way around the lake. There was no barrier that was going to keep them from meeting him on the other side. They were leaving everything behind for the opportunity of being with Jesus. Today, maybe you just haven't been walking with Jesus. You know him. And you've walked with him in the past, but you've been sitting on the other side of the lake stubbornly beating your head against the wall as Jesus tries to check on you. If that's you today, I want to encourage you to run around the lake of your pride. Quit trying to pretend like you know a better way than Jesus and just run around that lake and go be with him. Maybe you've been trying to wrestle down the facts and the details of faith you figured out how to back up a ton of it. You've supported a ton of it logically in your mind, but you just can't quite get all the way there. And if that's you, run around the lake of your doubt and your fear. Knowing that Jesus is going to meet you on the other side and he's going to have compassion on you and see you as a sheep without a shepherd. And believe that, that when you do, when you run around whatever your lake is that's keeping you from just hungering and thirsting for him, Jesus will have compassion on you. He's not going to judge you. He's not going to call you out. He's going to have compassion on you. And he will meet you where you are and feed you till you're full. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you for for loving us in a way that we can't even fathom or understand. Father, I pray for uh, this church That we would hunger and thirst for you in a way that we never have. And quite honestly, that's a scary prayer to pray. That each person would become more sold out for Christ than they are today. That you would call us each to take a next step. That you would challenge each of us to, to step out of whatever our comfort zone is right now, to get out of that and go to the next thing. Not for ourselves but for others. For those that don't know you yet. For the people who are sheep without a shepherd, carrying the weight of sin, consequences of life. God, would you help us hunger and thirst for more of you for them? Give us the courage to, to really press into your word, to learn to read it until we're full. Give us the courage to to run around, whatever it is that's keeping us from walking and running with you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.